Welcome once again into the Soccer OG. That's me, Max Pretos. This is episode 27. Joining me in the business end, Eric Krakauer of BN Sports. And in stoppage time, I will discuss what might be becoming the hardest job in all of soccer. Picking a World Cup qualifying roster for the U.S. men's national team. Trust me, it's going to be tricky. And we'll roll up our sleeves a little bit here. As I always like to do, a gentle reminder to please subscribe, download, share, rate, or review the Soccer OG. We really do appreciate it. And we thank all those who tune in on a regular basis and those who just like to take a peek from time to time. Everyone is welcome here. The business end is going to be juicy. All the European leagues, except the major European leagues, except for the Italian, are underway. Some incredible images, a lot to talk about. Let's get smarter, folks. The Soccer OG starts right now. Hello, everyone. Good to chat with you. I am joining you. I actually got out of town and to Mammoth Mountain. If you're ever out here out west, beautiful drive up the Sierra Nevadas and Mammoth surrounded by lakes. A lot of fun summer stuff to do. Ride bikes, hike. Uh, ride bikes in many different surroundings or hit a lake, which I did with the king of all boats, the pontoon. What an incredible invention that is. So easy, a child could ride it. Not saying that a child did drive it, but well, we'll leave it at that. Just a reminder also just to get out and get refreshed whenever you can. I know kids are starting school again. The uh, summer break is over and, you know, you've got to do a lot of stuff as well. you got to flick that switch. So see if you can get a little downtime whenever it should happen. So I feel refreshed. High altitude, which uh, I'm getting better at. Never really had to deal with it, but uh, I think my lungs are, are strengthening, which is something weird to happen for someone at my age. How about that weekend, huh? The uh, the leagues are back. I, I Nothing would get me ready than I turned on that game Friday. I didn't see the whole thing. I had to come back and watch it a little bit. I was watching on my phone. But it popped off the screen with uh, Brentford getting back in the Premier League for the first. Sorry about a couple popped peas there. That's very poppy. Brentford back into the top flight. And that new intimate setting they have there, the Brentford Community Stadium, was just on fire. So many memories made. You felt like 18 months of disappointment and protocols and holding it all, in, internalizing everything, just all came out for these supporters. What a wonderful impression they left. Now, is it probably the smartest thing? Probably not. As we deal with the uh, whatever variant or step or level of COVID that might be in your part of the world. But um, it was good to see. We'll just leave it at that. It was. It, it took me a while. It took a little bit for it to process because there was some. The French league had some good fans back. Spanish league some. French league was pretty fully stocked. Uh, Spanish some. German a little less. But the Premier League's like, ah, come on, mate. Ah, we're back, mate. Ah, would you add them and even? That was uh, your typical Premier League fan. I'm. I'm kidding. So um, it was uh, it, it was just a symphony for the ears and. Uh, I wasn't sure I was ready for the return of the leagues just yet because of all that happened this summer. I felt like I needed a break. That's why I took this weekend off, so to speak. You don't really take it off. Uh, uh, but um, when the game started, I was into it. And there wasn't that many. I mean, obviously, the Lionel Messi situation is is there. and He hasn't played the opener or the first two games. He wasn't with PSG for the first game. They play Brest on Friday. I don't think he's going to play for him. It sounds like he is way off. With fitness, he had like a couple trainings and he's got to get that up to speed. Maybe it takes a little bit longer when you're 34 and you're not, you know, in your 20s anymore. So um, that's already made a very interesting development. So that was obviously a big, that wasn't a transfer, but that was a big move for Lionel Messi. But we're Grealish, obviously, but there is, it wasn't like it usually is, where it's just absolute madness. Obviously, Manchester United, too, got their guys. Barcelona, obviously missing Messi. Nothing really changed. Real Madrid, not really. Losing people, losing their back line. But not a lot of new faces coming in for clubs you are usually very active. My, my squad, West Ham in the Premier League, unchanged. Unchanged. I've never seen that. Like, oh, it's the same dudes from the end of the last season. It's nice. 
I can get used to it. I like a lot of players getting second chances too because of the current situation with uh, this the so-called Super League clubs. It's going to be a struggle financially for Barcelona, Real Madrid, to a lesser degree, and Juventus. So maybe guys that said, nah, maybe uh, let's kick him to the curb. Uh, Gareth Bale starting for Real Madrid. Maybe like, uh, well, you're our guy now. I don't, I'm not saying it is, but he gets to start. Obviously, Aiden Hazard gets to start. Barcelona, some guys get to express themselves, and we'll talk about that in the question with Eric Krakauer on the business end. And brought up by Chiringuito de Jugones, one of the great shows in any language, on any topic. Uh, is Barcelona better without Lionel Messi? Some indicators there that they might. I'd like to set a bar for Barcelona. Round of 16 of the Champions League and third place in La Liga. That's what they did last year with Messi. How much better do they go? I, I If I was an adventure guest, i say quarterfinals. I know. they got to win it. Quarterfinals of the Champions League. And... They finished third. They finished third in Spain again. That's that's an improvement. And then Lionel Messi will wait. I think it'll be by the third weekend, the last weekend of August. And we'll see it. We all have to see it. We have to see it every week because it's going to be, this may be the last chance we see like this. You know, the, the, the superstar player. I mean, Erling Holland I watched play, and he was incredible this weekend. And so... Just so dominating of a force in every aspect of the game. You know, scoring goals, setting up guys, covering the box to a, almost a box-to-box sometimes with these runs. He, There's going to be guys that may step that up. Obviously, Kylian Mbappe, although he's hit a bit of a speed bump here. But we're not going to have Messi-Ronaldo. Not with this group, not for a long time. We'll never, Maybe we'll never have that again. That kind of gets phased out. It's kind of done with Ronaldo. Then we're going to... I think we're going to look to a more traditional team... Setup, which is great. I love it. You love it. I think the, the sport, the, some of the games will be better, but you need stars to maintain that. And there's stars who are going to come, but at the level of Messi and Ronaldo, I don't think so. This was a phenomenon. That's a once in a, a you always say once in a blue moon, then another blue moon comes around. So it was great to see all that come back. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about, I'll, I'll uh, expand on this in stoppage time, is... Uh, you know, I was talking to some of my friends in Mexico following the Gold Cup. And I, and I asked them, What's it, what do they say when they cover the U.S. men's national team in Mexico? I've seen it sometimes and I have an idea. What I get told is they're very honest about it. And in the sense, they challenge Mexico. And when they write or on TV or do something, they all say, Mexico... Why aren't you developing players that are going to Barcelona, Chelsea, Dortmund? Uh, who am I for? It doesn't really matter. You can have the idea. I'm not going to sit here and list them all. But the, the current crop, Juventus. Why aren't Mexican players making those moves? Because they're not. There's uh, obviously Chucky Lozano, Napoli, um, Tecatito Corona. Not playing for this. Uh, very good clubs but not elite club. And um, Raul Jimenez came back. That's good. But they're not. it's not doing this. So what happens is you don't hear enough about the young Mexican player excelling in Europe, but then you hear this every week. I, I, it feels like two or three players make some impression. And this week it happened again. Joe Scali, Conrad De La Fuente, Josh Sargent debuting in the Premier League. A lot of guys putting their hand up for September World Cup qualifying. So we'll kind of assess that situation, see who is um, making a, a push, who has some work to do, and who's locked in. Because I think some guys there might be thinking, I, I, I feel pretty good about being there, but am I going to make that final roster? Am I going to feature? I mean, there's different tiers, right? You think you're going to feature, then you're on the bench, or you're in the bench, and then you don't make the squad. But there's too much... You've got to look at these cases and make almost a snap decision very quickly uh, to best prepare you for the qualifiers and to hit the ground running, which will take, which you want to keep that momentum for this national team. So we'll talk about that in stoppage time. I probably spoke too much. This is the Soccer OG. Thanks for the support. Get out. Kids, enjoy school. It's good for you. We'll be right back in the business end with Eric Krakow.
back here on the soccer OG, Eric Krakauer, who has contributed so brilliantly on this podcast, is back. I was going to get Keith, but I record this on Sunday because I thought we had a nice little thing going. But he's got a Sounders Portland game, so we'll get him on. We'll get him on the next trip. So it's just going to be me and you, Eric. But I think it's a great time to talk to you. Well, it's great to be on. You know, it's always I, a great time I, to talk to you. But it's a really great time to talk. to you. Well, I appreciate that. But, you know, I was thinking, I haven't been on his pod for a long time, but I'll always be your first. You were the first. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I, when I was thinking about it, I, you're, you came to the top, you, you and Keith Fields came to the top. Listen, I got to get him more. I'm kind of like trying to just, I'm trying to, some people come on for a first time, but I go back to the meat and potatoes like you all the time. I can guarantee that. Well, you, you know, I'm... I, I don't know if I'm the meat or the potatoes, but I like it. I like it. <laughs> well, so it was, it was, I'm sure you were embedded in it. I've been listening to some league earned games and heard your voice on a couple of them. And they're both very compelling stories. We'll get to that. You were very busy. I'm sure you watched a lot of games like the rest of us. It was a weird sensation because everything had changed in the, on the landscape, including what you did with being sports. And now it comes in where you, uh, the French league, La Liga is now with ESPN. They did a big rollout. They had this, their crew there in Barcelona. Uh, CBS is going to be involved with uh, the Italian league here very shortly. And then Bien just had the French league. And we're like, what's going to happen? And then I remember I was talking about it. And then this Lionel Messi thing breaks. And uh, well, I'll ask you this first. With all the games that happened this summer, I felt like I would feel overwhelmed watching games this weekend, but I wasn't. You mean just because of the overload? No, but I thought it'd be too much. But I said, I said, I could, I can take more of this. <laughs> After all the international tournaments, I go, I'm ready for the leagues. Yeah, well, that's the thing, right? We never really had a break. So we've just been saturated with a, a ridiculous amount of soccer. And I think this has just become the norm for us, right? It just never ends. I feel like one of the first things I do in the morning, besides, you know, kiss my fiance and go get my daughter from her crib, is looking at my, my schedule on the phone, just the soccer schedule in general. What games are on today? Which ones am I working on? And which ones can I watch in between my games? I mean, that's become a routine. <laughs> and it hasn't ended. I mean, I mean it, it hasn't stopped. That's what I mean. It just, it, in the summer, it's like, what Euro game is going to be on? What Copa America? And then it's the Gold Cup. And then you're watching, but as you lay down, or you're watching whatever. It's just, it just does not stop. We're going to be in trouble when we get older. I'm already older, but I mean, and that kind of schedule could be very demanding. And then those loved ones, like your wife and your, and your daughter, you'll be like, well, Hey dad, we want to go to the park. I actually, I, I got out for this weekend and uh, I feel refreshed, but I felt like I, I, you know, I'm falling a little bit behind, but I've caught up on all the games and I had to do little sneaky games on my phone a lot. It's weird. It's, I just can't, I just can't detach. I know. I, I feel like I'm going to turn around one day. My daughter is going to be 15 years old. Dad! And, and I don't know where time, where time went. I'll be that deadbeat father. Sure, yeah. uh, it's it's yeah. either me or Schalke 04. Make a decision right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that one's not a tough one. But, <laughs> but, it's, but, it's, uh, but it's, it's crazy because it is all-consuming. And, and Max, I know that you and I are similar in this way. And that is that we are not just funneled into one league. You and I love this game. We love the narratives from different countries. I think it helps us with what we do because if a new player comes into a league that we cover specifically for work, because we watch so much soccer, we'll know about that player. We know where he comes from, the kind of football that he played. And of course, I think that that translates into us being better at what we do. I don't mean better than other people. I mean that we get to improve on our own product, being able to uh, to, to watch all these different leagues, but it, it is demanding. It is all consuming. And I think that the ability like you had this weekend to just say, you know what, I'm turning <laughs> off. I want to go away with my family. It's difficult to do, but it has to be done. It has to be done. I highly, I feel great right now, by the way. But when I was at, it, it's funny. Cause when people say you cover soccer, when I was at ESPN and uh, they'd say, well, I, guys would be there and I'd talk to them, other anchors or producers. They go, yeah, I cover baseball. I cover basketball. I cover football. And then they go, you do soccer. And I go, I try to immerse him with the other sports. But then when I think about soccer, it's like, it's not apples to apples because you can say I cover major league baseball or the NBA. You say I cover the English league and the French league and the Spanish league. 
I yeah. mean, they, they should be their own own sport almost. It's just, I yeah. just, I realize that and I, now I have to start watching a lot more uh, Lee Gun and listen to you on the weekend. Oh, well, I'm sorry that you have to do that. <laughs> I'm pumped. Listening to me, I mean, listening to me. Uh, hey, Lee Gun is a great league. Let's, let's not bury the lead here. I want to get your thoughts about preparation and what you do when you have, and we'll talk about the games we go back and forth, but I want to ask you this about preparing, and he didn't play this weekend. It doesn't seem like he will play Friday. I mean, but we all circle these PSG games. Maybe you know more, but just preparing to cover a league that all of a sudden has the biggest sports star in the world joining them with the, those, inst- what was the Instagram numbers? Like five, 50 million, was it? 5 million in 24. Yeah. It's you after you obviously have to, to feel that. So uh, your expectations, if there are any, well, you know, it's funny, and I don't know if people will believe me when I say this, but for me, it doesn't really change anything about Liga. You know, anybody who knows me uh, knows that I love this league, and I have for a very long time, and, you know, at BN Sports, because we have had so many leagues, you know, La Liga uh, in particular, that was, of course, the headliner, and now it's, it's gone to, to ESPN. La Liga stole the show, Right. The, the big games were always on and they conflicted very often with Liga. So Liga would be, would take a back seat and we would show it on our uh, online streaming services. And, you know, I understood those decisions because ultimately you're focusing on the bigger league. It, you're that's a, that's a no brainer. That's a no brainer. Right. They got to do it, but exactly. You, it just, where do you tuck this? It's tough. Exactly. Where do you tuck this? But I always felt that, you know, Liga wasn't getting the proper attention so when BN Sports lost uh, La Liga, um, I thought, well, this is a perfect opportunity to, to really capitalize on a league that gets, you know, unfairly maligned by people who I, I think, you know, don't know much about the game. The Farmers League. And are, yeah, the <laughs> Farmers League, right? And our bandwagon sort of yeah. soccer fans who like, you know, who don't follow teams necessarily. They, fo- they follow the superstars. So Cristiano Ronaldo went to Juve. I no longer support Real Madrid. I'm a Juventus fan, and, and now Messi's at PSG. I'm a PSG fan. And, of course, the numbers that you have just mentioned, the social media numbers that, that PSG has gotten because of this move, are a testament to that. The Liga is filled with quality. It is a, a league uh, which, is, uh, which is also chock full of, of traditions. Uh, so I think that people... Messi will bring a lot of people over and hopefully um, they will not only fall in love with PSG because he's there, but they will look at this league. They will see that there's a lot of talent available. The games are open, entertaining. There were so many goals this weekend and they will stay for the league and not just Lionel Messi. I could not agree with you more. And I'll throw this in here because I think it's not going to be a runaway for PSG and Messi because of those other teams and Lil were the champs, although I want to talk about their game. They got they got demolished by yeah. Nice, which is another compelling story. Marseille, we're busy. I'll st- all these teams that are ran, they still have uh, what's the uh, it's Camavinga. What's the Belgian kid? De- De- I forgot his name. Deku. What's I can't. I, I can't right. think of his name right. I now. can't remember his name. But they have the, we have them, and uh, you have all these players, all these teams that are so compelling. But I'll start with Marseille. And I also want to get your, I'm, I'm double banging questions, double barreling questions here. So I apologize. Uh, Conor De La Fuente, who we're looking at as a U.S. player coming on. You had a good look at him. But Marseille, they were busy. They have this Dimitri Payet who's playing out of his mind. And we've seen him in the past. I did when I was, when he was with West Ham as a big supporter. Yeah. Um, it's an intriguing team. Jorge Sampali, who also on the sideline today was wearing this, or this weekend was wearing this, um, polo shirt that was super tight and he had the muscles and the tats and it was just it was really good optics for this game yeah, so good tv it's good tv and then marseille comes out i mean they they blew it at the end and bordeaux i mean i see petkovic on the sideline of, of the, the swiss national team coach now and bordeaux used to be a great team and now yeah. you see these teams kind of getting interest in developing and I, I guess that marseille bordeaux game right at the top of the list there's there's a lot to keep you captivated here there is. There is. And obviously, look, the difference between the, the, the big teams now in France and the smaller ones is financial. 
uh, you know, if you've got money, you're, you're, you're able to accessorize the, the, the talent that comes through the academies in France with, with superstars. That is what PSG has done. I think that's what Marseille is trying to do. Uh, I wouldn't say superstars, but what they've done is they've done some really interesting shopping, bringing players like Conrad De La Fuente. By the way, Doku is the, is the oh, player that's that you it. were thinking about it. At, at Rennes, who had a very good Euro with, uh, with Belgium as well. But so, y- you know, what you're going to see this year, so I don't lose my train of thought here, is that there are teams, and you know that Liga, and, and I guess you have listeners on your podcast who maybe are not that aware of this, but Ligue 1 took a significant hit due to the domestic TV rights, and there's a court case that's going to play out uh, pretty soon. But a, a lot of teams are in financial dire straits. And there are some that are not. And of course, those that are not are the ones that are going to be competing. And I think that they've done some really good shopping to accessorize the talent that they have sort of uh, churned through the, the academies there. And to your point that you made a few minutes ago, I think that that talent and the ability of a team like Marseille to pinpoint exactly the profile of player that they need is what is going to make this league very competitive. And I do not believe that just like last year, PSG uh, are, are going to run away with it. I, I, just, I just don't um, for, for a variety of reasons. Uh, but of course, given what we saw today with Bordeaux, Marseille, and Marseille losing two points at home, it does show you that even those smaller teams that don't have the financial buttress that they need to be successful can still on any given weekend take points away from the best teams uh, in the championship. I think there's like four or five teams that can go. I, I should ask you, I, I meant to ask you there a couple of minutes ago. How do you think this season will, will pan out for PSG domestically and internationally? Well, I've got a lot of questions. I think Pochettino um, is not convinced yet. Uh, he had a torrid uh, first six months at the club. Uh, there were some issues with, with Tuchel's departure. There were uncertainties about Neymar. He finally extended his contract. The Mbappe novella rages on. And I think that what that does, it, it, it destabilizes a club. He needed the summer. He needed his own players to come in. And the, the shopping that they've done, you know, take Messi out of the equation. You look at just the likes of Wijnaldum and Donnarumma and, and, and Sergio Ramos. Uh, you think, wow, they've done really good business. So many of those players coming over uh, for free. But I still have questions about Pochettino's system and whether mm-hmm. he's going to get the, the best out of the players together. And that's not a criticism of him as a manager. This is a very tough job. And, and for my money, Tuchel is the best in the business along with Pep Guardiola. And he had real difficulties. I mean, just look at what he, did. he was able. I, I mean, yeah, he did. That was bad. He was able to do with Chelsea, right? He's been able to create a team at Chelsea that wins the Champions League six months five months after he arrives, he was never able, even though he got to a final, a Champions League final, he was never able to get PSG to click the way he wanted them to. And I think that has to do a lot with balance and personalities. And that is an obstacle that Pochettino has to overcome. He didn't with Mbappe and Neymar. And all of a sudden, you throw in Lionel Messi into the mix. And there are just a lot of questions there that need answering. I, I think this could end badly for Pochettino. I hate to say that. I just think I would, I would almost venture a guess that when they found out he could get messy, I don't think he was doing backflips. I think he was happy, but I think it just really mounts the pressure on this situation. It's, you know, an older player and it's, you've got to make it all fit. We always know it's about these personalities have got to fit and you can play so many attacking uh, players on your squad, and obviously you mentioned Mbappe, Neymar, Messi, and then you have Angel Di Maria, who's put his hand up for so long. But this is going to be a very high-pressure situation. Even now, everyone's going, where's Messi? And he's not fit to play, and they're, they're working that in. And it could be a bumpy start. And then you start to think, how, how bumpy does it get before he gets on a hot seat? And, you know, I, ha- I hate to bring that up, but I just think it's a very difficult, maybe a very, I'll just say a very difficult situation for him to be in. Yeah, well, that's just the reality uh, of, of the job and the pressures that come with it. But, you know, there were, there were rumors that he was having discussions with Tottenham over the summer about a potential return. So uh, I, think that, I, I think that Pochettino at one point 
very seriously, and this is this is pure conjecture on my part, but at, at some point- we, We're allowed that here. We're allowed that here, Eric. This is your safe place. Here. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I, I think at one point he really looked at Tottenham and thought maybe the grass was greener there. You know, he was, he was sacked, right? He didn't leave of his own volition, but the opportunity to come back, even given that sort of acrimonious, if you will, ending with Spurs seemed to be a better option than the situation he was, he was immersed in at, at PSG. Pochettino is always, he always strikes you as a very loyal guy. And we heard about those stories where he was going to be brought to Barcelona, but he wouldn't because of his past with their rivals, Espanol. Espanol. And I think he'd be very loyal to Tottenham Hotspur. I always remember those images of him when they got to the final waving at the crowd. Sure. He got let go. But he still has that relationship with the club, yeah. the fans. And I think that that would have made a lot of sense. But here he is. I can't wait to see it. It's going to be fascinating. We're going to tune in all the time. It's, uh, I think sometimes it's going to be spectacular. And there's some other times where you'll be like, uh-oh, what's going on? Or maybe they leak a few two goals and guys aren't playing as many minutes. It's, well, you saw sign me up for this. Right? They're, they're 3-0 up within the first 30 minutes of the game. And then Strasbourg who are led now by Julien Stéphane, who was in charge of Rennes, was responsible for, for uh, bringing Kamavinga from, from the under-19s to the, to the main squad, won a Coupe de France with them in 2019, coming back from a 2-0 deficit against PSG to beat them in, in penalties. But Strasbourg is still a team that a lot of people expect to be fighting against relegation. And yet, a few adjustments in the second half, and they caught PSG sleeping, in a couple of occasions, they really seem to struggle with with those deliveries uh, in the air from out wide. He managed to make a game out of it. Uh, and so I, I think there's some balance issues. And remember, this is my last point. Uh, whatever happens with PSG, the metric is going to be the Champions League and nothing else. Yes. Who knows? I think I think they I, I strike me as better equipped for the Champions League, but we shall see. Uh, but they'll be kept busy in, in the French League. I wanted to ask you, because I, I want to talk about Barcelona a bit, the other side of this, but the French League, tune in, be in sports, see Eric, uh, I heard you with Phil Shane, all the guys there at Be in Sports who do a fantastic job. Uh, you need to watch it. And it's not just PSG, but so Lille were the champions. And we'll, I'll, put, I'll do a little background. You could probably add more layers, much more layers to it than I can. Uh, Lille won the championship, historic, knocking PSG off the top. Their coach, Christophe Galtier, gets a lot of the credit uh, for what he was able to do. I, I would think you, you would consider that this guy has the magic touch. They win it. Everyone loves him. By the way, he has the look of the most interesting man in the world. When they camera, <laughs> he's got that, that nose that looks like it's been broken, this gray, wavy hair, those Alain Delon eyes. I don't even know if he looks like Alain Delon. That's the only French actor I could think of. But he's really interesting looking. And he's on the side with so much passion and and... Just you, you can't take your eyes off him. So anyway, he gets he gets signs up with Nice, Southern team, uh, had those big rivals in Marseille, had kind of fallen off the map a little bit. And this was the first part of revitalizing the club under Ineos, huge company that they're going to take it. You can I'm just giving you the, the the basics here and you can fill it in. But the coach, some good players, and they beat Lil, his former team, 4-0. And I know I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment, but this Nice team all of a sudden it seems very, very interesting. Yes, they do. And, and you know, at the end of last season, um, on the locker room show that I do with Kalen Kyle and, and Thomas Rongen, when we were speculating about Christophe Gaultier's, you know, destination, because he'd already announced that he wasn't going to stay with Lille, and there are many reasons for that. The main one is that they're in financial dire straits and they're going to have to They He knew they were going to have to sell off some important pieces and, you know, lightning doesn't strike twice. You know, the, the fact that he was, that he managed to pip PSG to top spot uh, was just the, the, the coming together of many variables and in in a remarkable consistency. And he knew that wasn't going to last. And I did mention that Nice was a perfect landing spot for him because you have a rich owner who can bring in a bunch of signings. You know that he is not only a rich owner, but he is ambitious. And that's why he shipped out Patrick Vieira last year because the results 
although they weren't very bad and in line with what we had seen over the previous couple of seasons with Nice, they weren't good enough uh, for, for the new ownership. So he's, he's booted. And so he realized Christophe Galtier, he's in a perfect location. It's the Mediterranean. It's nice and warm. He was perfectly tanned <laughs> on the sideline. He's going to get plenty of money and players coming in. So they have a squad to compete for the title. Maybe they're a little bit too young, but I think they will definitely be vying for Champions League. Have you been to but, Nice? You, you painted a very nice picture. Nice. I have not been to I Nice. I have been to Nice. I have been to Nice. Yes. I'm going to I'm, I'm gonna ask a really dumb question. Is it nice? <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure no i, I know but I, I, I hear it's lovely it's uh that's yeah, great I, that I, I'd, I'd love to go it's gorgeous hopefully yeah. we can all start traveling a lot more do you, yeah what if things went well for galtier i because there were like two i didn't think of it at the time i'm thinking it now in, in hindsight but real madrid was looking for a coach tottenham hotspur looking for a coach is that well, far-fetched for him to go for that kind of position based on what he did with lil I think Real Madrid would have been a stretch. Yes. Okay. Given Tottenham. given that, that is that's a club. Tottenham, they apparently had talks with him. Mm. You know, and, and they would I don't know if they'd been they would have been able to offer more money than Nice, whether they presented more money to him uh, than Nice did, that's a whole different matter. I do know that Paulo Fonseca did not like the contract that he was offered by Daniel Levy, and that's why he turned down the job and now Nuno Espirito Santo is there. But look, this is a guy who speaks French, who is French. I'm not sure his English is too good. He knows the league well, um, and he'll have other opportunities if things work out uh, at the Allianz Riviera. So I think this was a perfect move for him. And just the difference that we've seen from the first week to the second week and how the players have gelled together, the cohesiveness, really underscores that this is a tactician who knows what he's doing, and he gets the players to buy into his system. It's a... It sounds like a really good gig. I mean, if you're getting the money from the, the owner and you're at a place where you're not going to have this high pressure, you do have the pressure, but you're not going to be in the limelight too much. It sounds pretty peach to me. So we can, we can talk about Christoph Galtier all day and all night, and I know you can, Eric, but we gotta, we got to go to the, the top billing here. So let's talk about Lionel Messi. And I was mentioning it to you that El Chiringuito de Jugones was a Spanish show. It's very dramatic, melodramatic, uh, but they have these really heated conversations about football, soccer. And it's, it's, it's educational, but it's it, it also uh, very entertaining. It'll get you to laugh sometimes because they get very intense conversations. So um, it's Jose Pedrerol, who's the host. So I was watching today. He's a big Barcelona fan, and he had this released all this information about when he left, and it was very dramatic, a countdown clock when Messi leaves. So this is not about a cheating guito. I'm just bringing it up because I saw it, and I even tweeted about it was, hey, I think Barcelona might be all right. I think they could do as well as they did last year. Uh, they got to the round of 16 of the Champions League and they finished third in Spain. I think I could, they could do that. But they were saying Barcelona is now better without Messi. That was the headline. It had a big bomb on top of it. So uh, it's, a, it's an interesting conversation to have because we all know what Messi can do. But the reality is when you're playing with Messi, he's a number one at all times. Uh, I don't know how that changes how you express yourself, but you always have to know, and you're always aware of where Messi is. So I, it, what is it called? Subtr- addition by subtraction. I would never say that about Lionel Messi, but maybe this team kind of needed a little change of scenery. I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment. I know I always am after one week. They look pretty good. <laughs> no, they did look pretty good, and they were playing against it, one of the best teams in La Liga, in, in Real Sociedad, with you know, uh, lots of uh, great young players. Uh, Oyar Zabal, you know, we saw him at the Euro. He, he's, he's a terrific player. And look at the free kick that he, that he scored from, from quite a distance, reminiscent of a, a, a Messi free kick. I think the question of whether Barcelona plays better with, without Messi is like a taboo that, you, you know, you just can't discuss. And I think the obvious answer is, no, they don't play better without Lionel Messi, because Lionel Messi is Lionel Messi, probably the greatest player to, to ever kick a football. And the statistics speak for themselves and the fact that he has carried this team for so many years, um, particularly the last half decade or so. But I will say this. <laughs> <laughs> if you go back to the 8-2 game against Bayern Munich, the mm-hmm. greatest humiliation that Barca ever suffered, 
one of the things that was very easy to point out, and people certainly did, and I'm not saying anything that is a novelty here, is that Bayern Munich were a team, a machine with a game plan, everybody buying into it. You look at Barcelona, they seemed like a team made of individuals, made up of individuals. And defensively, when you see that Bayern Munich team attack you and you look at Luis Suarez and Lionel Messi just walking around, not pressing on top, not coming in deep, you know there's an imbalance there. Now, at their age... Which, which a lot of players now have to mask with, in, in addition to what they normally have to do on a game. Right, exactly. They have to run a lot more. They have to do a lot more work, which is a question that I'm, that I'm already asking about PSG. What happens when you have Messi and Mbappe and Neymar, right? Those three in the midfield, the four at the back, they're doing a tremendous amount of work. But that's a, a conversation for, for a different day. So I think that having Messi on the team, while he is going to bail you out so, so often, you are definitely asking certain players to do a little bit more work than they would otherwise. That's a given. Now, that's one of those situations, glass half full, glass half empty. It depends on the person who's, who's, who is perceiving it. The other thing is, it cannot be easy to play with Lionel Messi. <laughs> it can't. Right? Not, it could not be. Right. I'm it not suggesting he's a bad guy, right? No, I know. No. You have to cater to him. Yes. That's everyone. And look, these guys are all, they want to express themselves. I mean, some guys say, I want to be a good teammate and I, I like to play this role, but not. I was surprised with Neymar and Messi. He's like, they always want to play together. I'm like, okay. And it's worked before, but I, I always felt like when like Argentina, that Argentina team that won the Copa America, they worked so well for him. And when they needed yes. him in a, a moment, it, it worked because you had that right, right team constructed around him. And when you need a free kick, you need a great ball in, Messi will do it. And then you have that genius to put you over while the rest of the team buckled in. It wasn't pretty to watch, but it was Even worked. Lautaro Martinez. Yeah. Even Lautaro he Martinez. Works. Pressing from the top, you know, sometimes coming in, in into the, the midfield. And let me just say this before I forget. You know, watching Barcelona today, Griezmann looked so loose. Continued to do all the hard work that he did. I, he benefits the most. Seasons. He benefits the most from this. He absolutely does. He benefits the most. Memphis looked super relaxed, although I think he'd probably be relaxed because he's so confident in his own abilities. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, puts out the most ridiculous rap videos and feels so good about them. So you know that this guy has a huge ego, and I'm not sure it would have been too deflated even playing with Messi. So I think, I think that his absence allows the other players to be a little bit more relaxed and, and able to play within themselves. Does that necessarily mean that Barcelona play better without Messi? No, but it is a change that could potentially benefit them going forward. I would add that Barcelona needed to do this. Obviously, they need to shed money, and they still have to shed a lot of money. But as soon as they get that financial part under their belt, whenever that is, they can get back on the rails. And I don't think you could have Messi around that. It's, it benefits Messi, too, to go this. You'll see how happy he'll be. You already see him smiling, as long as it goes well, of course. And I, we didn't, I didn't give that a, a, a glowing review, although I, I hope for the best. I think it'll, do, it'll still be a great watch for PSG. They'll do well. They'll do well. Will they hit their targets? I don't know. So, but the Barcelona part is you have, it's still Barcelona. They've had great signings. And I'd say this about Real Madrid too. A lot of guys that we'd say, ah, they didn't work out. Aiden Hazard, for instance, who played a, a solid game for Real Madrid uh, comes to mind. Uh, Luka jo uh, uh, Jovic, who we kind of let go and, or Nacho. I watched them play for Real Madrid. And these are guys that go, we can't rely on them. I go, why not? They're really good players. You thought so a year or two ago. I'm not saying they're all going to pay off but they're still there and some guys still developing uh, for Barcelona and Real Madrid, but even Barcelona, De Jong, these guys paid that he become like the, the top billing. And you have that uh, La Masia pushing talent every now and then. And so Fati still like, has to come back. Yeah. It seems like that thing can get back on a, a, a quick cycle, a nice churn very quickly. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. By the way, Nacho for me, best Real Madrid uh, defender last season. I was very I, I, surprised that he wasn't included in the in, in the Euro squad because he can play anywhere in that back back line. And he, he scores a goal against uh, Alaves this weekend. He's one of those three or five guys, if I had a most disrespected list for the quality of player it is, he'd be on it. Absolutely. 
Well, so, I don't know we can talk more Barcelona. I wanted, I, I saw Erling Holland. It was incredible. So many fantastic performances by a lot of guys. I want to circle back. Actually, let me circle back to Marseille. You saw, because I'm going to talk about Conrad de la Fuente in a little bit. We touched on it a bit. What is he? Who, I mean, how? What kind of ceiling do you think he has? Because this, obviously, I said it's a it's a great club to be with. The images from the velodrome are amazing. You just you forget sometimes what a spectacular club over the years that has been, with an, an incredible history, a colorful history, and uh, this is a. It sometimes things just fall into place, and it seems like it's all in place for Conrad de la Fuente. He started all the preseason. He's starting in the regular season. And as long as they do well, I, I would imagine that doesn't change. So as a player, is he, does he, do you uh, project him maybe to be on a World Cup qualifying roster, starting 11? What, how, what are we looking at here? Oh, sure, sure. I, I think Conrad De La Fuente in these two games alone has earned himself a call up for the, for the qualifiers. Is he an automatic starter right now for the U.S. national team? I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not going to say he is because, of course, you need to – these are some players who have already been playing together for a while under Greg Berhalter, so they've got the mechanisms uh, in place, and he would need to adapt to that. But I was saying this today during the game. I can't think of a single player in the U.S. pool who is as vertical yes. as Conrad De La Fuente. Yes. Now, Matthew Hoppe, I think, has some of that. Christian Pulisic absolutely does, but neither of them is as vertical as Conrad De La Fuente. He's got very good feet, both of them left and right. His initial burst of speed is, is super impressive. I mean, the way he burned Junior Sambia, who's a very good right back for Montpellier last week, to set up Cengiz Under for the first goal that Marseille scored against Montpellier, which then, you know... Uh, uh, activated that that comeback or triggered that that comeback you really see there just how fast he is in in short spaces the u.s need that they need somebody who, who can stretch the game out wide but can also stretch the game vertically and he makes good decisions in the final third and they are only going to improve under the management of jorge sampaoli I, I think it just it clicks into place and, you know, everything's moving so fast with this U.S. team and the, this sport. Maybe next summer will slow down. It will slow down next summer. We won't have all the tournaments. We won't even have a World Cup. We have to wait till December for that one. But uh, it, it happens quickly. And, you know, these guys have got them scouted and they're just waiting for the, the, the switch to be flicked. And it looks like it with him. He looks like a 25 year old player now before he still looked like a kid. Now he looks I don't know. He looks like a man. Yeah, so direct in his play, too. Yeah, which is you such hate, high praise. Yeah. It doesn't sound like it's a great comment, but it really is. Just move forward. Yeah. Get from point A to point B as, as comfortably and quickly as you can. Yeah, I, I think you. Th th there has to be a certain amount of courage in a player to be that direct. Uh, a, a, a belief in yourself that your decision to drive at defenders in that moment is the, is the right one. And for a young player... Uh, I'm not sure, so sure that's common. And actually, that's a quality I really like about Hoppy is that he he does have that belief in himself, and that's why I think he'll be uh, he'll be a, a significant cog in the Greg Berhalter machine. I think you're right. I think you're right. Premier League. Uh, we talked about Tuchel, and you got me saying Tuchel now. Is, he, is Tuchel, 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 Thomas uh, yeah. Tuchel. Tuchel, Tuchel, very soft Tuchel. C. Yeah. So um. Uh, Chelsea, it's it's incredible now. Romelu Lukaku about to arrive. Christian Pulisic started, uh, scored a goal, and that team, man, <laughs> uh, you know, Manchester City obviously finished ahead of them in the Premier League. I would think City's still the favorite to win it, but that Chelsea performance uh, with so many other players, with an alternate squad in many cases, and Manchester United, it was a it was a very good weekend. I was like talking earlier about the crowds, which were. Unbelievable. Phenomenal. It went from zero to 60. And then look, I know we have some, we, we have a lot of procedural and quarantine and protocols to meet, but that was, I was glad I saw it, but it was, it was intense. I wasn't quite ready for it, but uh, it right, was, I know. you know, we've, we've, we've become conditioned, right? You're like, huh? uh, you know, the crowds <laughs> in the Premier League were, were, were uh, unbelievable. Uh, the one to me though, that took the cake, I, I thought the velodrome was outstanding. It was as nice. Well. 
but Lens Saint-Étienne today, Lens are known for having uh, these fiery fans in the stands. It was a celebration of football. Oh, wow. My wife's going to be really thrilled because now I'm going to, after I'm done with you and the podcast, I'm going to watch the Lens highlight. I'm writing it down because we can't watch it all. I'm going to pretend I watched all the games. But okay, it's just like the 12-minute package, which are, by the way, fantastic. Whoever came up with the 12-minute highlight package on YouTube, thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) But the, uh, oh, did you see the, again, I just saw the highlights because I couldn't watch the games Friday because I was with the family. What was it? The uh, the Brentford Community Stadium, that new one. It was packed. Yeah, I drove I by there when I was game. there last time. It's uh, it was like you have these sixty thousand seaters, which are great. Then you have these twenty thousand seat stadiums that just pop, just pop off. Just like a, a cauldron of, of passion. Yeah, I watched that game. I was really looking forward to to, to seeing them because I've been very impressed with them in, in the championship and getting to the to the playoffs over the last last two seasons. I was actually watching that game on my phone. As I went to a uh, to a, a, an appointment, my my fiance, as you know, it's, uh, I believe you know this, is is pregnant with number two, and, and I did we not getting, know this. I did not know that, and we were getting we were getting checked up. So because of all the congratulations, thank you very much. I had to I had to wait outside, and I thought, well, perfect, because I get to watch this game uh, in the lobby, and just the atmosphere was great, and and their story is great, and Arsenal fans are in for another painful season. It's, I think Chelsea, City, United, they're going to, Liverpool, it's going to kind of get feel back to that big four again. I think those other teams that did well, West Ham, God bless them, they look fantastic this weekend. Uh, Leicester, I don't think it's going to, I just don't see, they're going to have a busy schedule, but Chelsea, City, and United, I think are going to be strong. Liverpool, I don't want to underestimate them. Put them all four there, but I think there's going to be a clear cut line like the good old days or the old bad days, I don't know. Manchester United were super impressive. Paul Pogba playing like he oh. did at, at the Euro. He could have been, for me, the, the player of the tournament had France gone a little bit further. And going to, to back to, to Chelsea and, and, and watching them and just how deep they are, you know, the fact that you can bring, you know, the, this, that wasn't the case today, but even in the, in the Super Cup against Villarreal, you can bring Jorginho, who's been one of the best players over the past year and a half, two years in, in world football. And I think, you know, has a legitimate chance at the Ballon d'Or or at least being in, on the podium. I got ridiculed for saying that yes. during the Euro. You said I was about to chuckle at you when you said that. I was like, OK, Krakauer. Uh, yeah. And then I was like, oh, man, he I think he spotted something. You, I'm glad I didn't spout off. Yeah, you watch it happen. You know, Keith Rhodes. Costigan ripped you one. That's right. Yeah, he really ripped me on that one. A lot of people ripped me on that one. Wow, you were smelling uh, you know, like a rose afterwards. <laughs> it, well, well, it's it hasn't happened yet, but I, I would I would put some money, and I'm not a betting man, that Jorginho is on the podium for the Ballon d'Or. I think you're pretty close to that. You you yeah. you can feel vindicated with that. That was a bold decision. You threw it out there, and it hit. That's very good. Best player in the Euro. Best player in the Euro by a mile because he got to the final. Pogba was there as well. Jorginho is a fabulous, fabulous player. He knew it too, the way he was taking that penalty. You know, he's like, God, that has to feel good. Because he's had a lot of, you know, a lot put on his shoulders and there's that. I watched the Pulisic thing. I want him to be an everyday player. He started this game. I'm like, great. So is that going to happen? I really don't think it will because there's just too much talent unless he, Tuchel falls out of love with a Werner or Havertz. It's it's going to be limited. I think, I think it's a little bit more than just the talent thing. Uh, and, you know, I, people I like say to that, a, too. And if that's the case, even more, maybe he needs to change a scenery. Well, I, well, I mean, that's easier said than done. Of Huge course. Price tag. I think he's going to play an important role this season. I mean, he scored he scored an, an important goal this this weekend. Yeah. Uh, but, I, I, you know, Tuchel is very particular. He's pedantic about his tactics, you know. <laughs> I, don't and, think, I, and I don't think you're right. Pulisic doesn't quite fit in those all the time. Right. I just don't know if Pulisic has the positional and tactical discipline to be an everyday starter, an every week starter for Tuchel. But having said that, he'll be one of the first players off the bench if he doesn't start. So I still think he's going to be a crucial player for Chelsea. I just don't know whether, you know, U.S. national team uh, fans are going to be 
you know, satiated with seeing this guy jump off the bench week in and week out. Count me in on that. I would not be satiated yes. unless he, yeah, I couldn't think of he a got, word. <laughs> whatever that is, I shall use it. You get it. There's a few <laughs> things I've, you've rubbed off. I've used, I, I can't remember what it was, but I, I had a couple crack hours in a broadcast once that I heard something. <laughs> so call keep, them that. Call the crack them that. Hours. I just had a crack hour, but, uh, by the way, let me just say this. You're listening to your broadcast, LAFC, you and, and Sully. Great fun. <laughs> That's awesome that you listen to it. Uh, yeah. Eric, I appreciate your time. I look forward to talking to you. I know you're, you're a very busy weekend. You're even going into Monday. Uh, I know you love being that, being able to be that in depth with the game. So I know you enjoy it, but I know you, you gotta, you gotta get your rest. Gotta eat well, especially with number two on the way. So now you have another one complaining about all the soccer you watch. You know that. I I know, I know, I know. (laughs) Don't get a dog. Don't get a dog now because you'll get the dirty looks from the dog too. No, I have a cat. Much easier, much easier, much more independent. And it's funny. My, 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 uh, my two and a half year old daughter, when, when I'm putting her down for a nap, She'll she'll sometimes ask me to watch soccer to try and get out of her nap, and sometimes it works. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> right, before I let you go, funny story about that broadcast with Christopher Sullivan. In the beginning of the game, there was like a really bad shade. I don't know why I get into my broadcast, but when I see a goalkeeper fighting the sun, I bring it up. I go, "Hey, that sun coming in, it's shadow. It's a four o'clock kickoff. Is that going to be a problem?" And he can say, "Yeah, you know, you have to face the glare." And then he like looks at me. And then at the end, he texts me, goes, were you serious about that shade question? I go, well, yeah, I thought, because what are you talking about? He goes, oh, I just thought the glare was a pain. He's like, oh, I, got, I, didn't, I thought you were pulling my leg. So. <laughs> yeah, well, listen, I, I love listening to you guys in, in the atmosphere. I need to get down there and, and into that stadium to watch a game well, there. We, we have the All-Star game coming up on the 25th. Do you can slip out for 24 hours or 36 hours. Yeah, maybe, maybe I can. I'll come up with an excuse. There you go. It's a work trip. It's a work trip. It's a work trip. There you go. Networking. Eric, man, appreciate you. We'll talk soon. Enjoy all the games. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll all be along with you to see how this messy uh, PSG adventure goes. <laughs> Thanks for having me, man. Always a pleasure. Eric Krakauer, being Sports, joining us in the business end. Coming up, stoppage time, we will discuss... The emerging talents for the U.S. men's national team that we saw this weekend. We are back. Time now for stoppage time. And I know people hate U.S. soccer Twitter. And I'm amongst it. And we are knee-jerk, prisoner of the moment types. With our tweets, you know, I get a lot of pushback because I say Christian Pulisic should leave Chelsea. I still stand by that even though he had a start and a goal this weekend. I just don't know. I just don't know where he fits in. I want him to play. It's important to me. So I want the same for Zach Steffen. We might be having a segment like this every uh, week or many of the weeks because it's such a compelling story. The U.S. men's national team, the latest developments and how quickly Greg Merhalter has to react because you have to recognize what's happening in real time with these players. And how they could go from being off a roster, on a roster, on a roster, into the starting 11. So, um, I said it earlier, USA and Mexico, when they're talking about players, a breakthrough for a European club happens for a Mexican player. And granted, a lot of goddamn MLS in some of the situations like that, but alas, it happens once a month. US, it's a couple times a week. I mean, this is insane. Josh Sargent makes his Premier League debut. Conor De La Fuente looks like he's going to be a featured guy at Marseille, which is a, a club with spending some money, bringing some players in, high-profile coach in Jorge Sampaoli. And he loves him. He loves Conrad De La Fuente. He's in there every time. And uh, we heard what uh, Eric Krakauer said about being a direct player, something USA needs. I've had these conversations. And before I'll, I'll get into each case, just projecting what this U.S. men's national team squad will look they have three world cup qualifiers coming up early in september we're in the middle of august so they're going to be here before you know it september 2nd at el salvador in san salvador september 5th in nashville against canada september 8th the united states travel to san pedro sula to take on honduras always a very tough visit san salvador is going to be difficult hugo Perez is doing an incredible job getting these teams fit getting players in america to join that el salvador squad they're going to reap the benefit they're going to be a tough out. But we're not talking about the opponents. It's just like, what kind of squad do you bring? 
how many are stone cold lockdowns on this team and uh, who could move on to that radar very quickly? Conrad De La Fuente, people are telling me he should be in the 11 now. He should be there. That um, with, with conviction that they say that. I think he's on the squad. I don't know if he starts, but you know, he's 20. He got on to Marseille after he spent some time at Barcelona. You see what Barcelona saw. And he's going to play all the time. He's an important player to them. We mentioned Josh Sargent getting his Premier League debut. He came on for 13 minutes. I, wa- <laughs> I watched those 13 minutes like uh, it was the Super Bowl. I don't know. I'd go, okay, he's in. Let's see what he does. Just focus on him. So I did. He was really active. You could see why clubs love him, even when he doesn't score goals, because he does so many other things. He did have one good shot, one good look on goal. He, had a, he did a lot in 13 minutes. He's going to get minutes there. They spend a lot of money, and he, now he's passing the eyeball test. And then you have this Joe Scally character. 18-year-old New Yorker. He wasn't playing for New York City FC. Mönchengladbach saw him, and they were like, keep your voice down. Don't, don't, he's really good. Just, just We're going to get him on the cheap. We're going to get him to Germany. We're going to put him in our camps and, and uh, our academies, and he'll be fine. And look, now he's starting for Mönchengladbach against Bayern Munich, marking Leroy Sané and Thomas Mueller. I mean, are you kidding me? 90 minutes. Workhorse at right back. It's like now Joe Scally's not just in the U.S. roster. He's starting at right back. Unseating Serginho Dest. And that doesn't sound so far-fetched to me, to be honest. Because you got to look at this right now and go, who gives me the best chance to win? I know he's 18, but look at that. And you have the stamp of approval that Borussia Mönchengladbach, top five team in Germany, gives it a stamp of approval. That's in one week that that happens. In addition to, by the way, Borussia Mönchengladbach, you remember that show, uh, Saturday Night Live skit with Michael Myers, uh, Sprockets? And uh, yeah, it was a German host. And one time he said, yes, if you, your favorite team in the Bundesliga is Borussia Mönchengladbach. I remember hearing that the first time. And I go, that's fantastic. I can't wait to say it again. Mönchengladbach. So uh, that's where I was introduced to it. And now you see it. And now there's an American playing on that. Talk about full circle. Very cool. So a quick look at the roster. And Greg Berhalter will be bringing in. We'll find out. I think he goes around 30 players because of the three games with the camp. And then he gets down to the nitty gritty. Guys are going to play. Very few guys I think are going to play or start all three games or play all three games. I think there will be rotations. And this is not a, a unique thought. It's just three games in six days. That's hard to do. This whole, everything's so accelerated this year. Sometimes you just got to go, give me a break, I get off this. But it's so accelerated. Get fixtures into every nook, cranny, crevice. Because we're playing catch up. We'll be caught up at some point. So three games here in September, three again in October. We told you those three games. The locks, I think the goalkeepers are pretty locked in. Um, Zach Steffen, Matt Turner, Ethan Horvath. In that order, although I, you, know, you know I love me some Matt Turner. Defenders, maybe they bring in 10 or 11 of that camp. 10, let's say 10. Uh, who are locks? John Brooks, Miles Robinson, and James Sands because they play great in the Gold Cup, but they both get in there. Mark McKenzie's probably a lock. Reggie Cannon's a lock. Sergio Dest is a lock, but where do you play him? There's discussion that maybe he gets unseated by a young Emerson at Barcelona at some point at right back. That won't be good for him. So just somebody to keep an eye on. He's definitely getting called in. Uh, Walker Zimmerman? I don't know. Shaq Moore? Maybe. Then there's, you know, Anthony Robinson. I said Miles Robinson in. Uh, would get in there. Chris Richards, outside in. My, uh, Miazga, outside in. I'm telling you. It's hard to crack. You would think you just write those guys in. But not anymore. Uh, wait till we get to the forwards. Midfielders, Weston McKinney, Tyler Adams, Sebastian Legette, Brendan Harrison, Kellen Acosta are locks. Maybe bring eight midfielders to that camp. So I have Yunus Musa is not going to make it. There's obviously... Uh, been injured as well. Uh, Gianluca Busio probably doesn't make it. Roldan. Eric Williamson. I know. Uh, Jackson, you'll probably not. Probably not. I know some people delighted with that. I'd like to see Jackson back out there. Good player. Fords. How many do you bring? Nine. Listen to this list. Polisic, Reina. Reina could go to the midfield. And again, making beautiful music with Borussia Dortmund. I think he's, he's, that's his spot now. And his 
status, his profile, his price tag is going to grow. Pulisic will call Reyna forward. Josh Sargent. Jordan Sibichu, sure, in. Zardes, probably in. Normally, normal circumstances, lock, stock in. Connor De La Fuente gets in. Matthew Hoppe, he'd be the last forward to get in. Tim Wayne, is there room for Paul Ariola, Daryl DK? You got to get Ricardo Pepe. You want to maybe lock him down. Remember David Ochoa, which has happened David Ochoa, pardon me, and going to Mexico. And by the way, he might have a better shot of getting that Mexico job. Memo Ochoa is, I can't really continue on this level, as great as he's been. It's a young man's game. Maybe Ochoa. Ricardo Pepe, is he, is he, he's worth getting under the U.S. Uh, umbrella. Nico Giochini looked great in the Gold Cup. I, there's no room for him. So this is a very difficult situation. And I think Sargent was in regardless. Scally's now right up there. If he plays two more games here for Montegladbach doing that, you've, you've got to consider him. And then Carter De La Fuente's in. In like Flynn. This is the soccer OG. Where we're bouncing all over the place and talking about the beautiful game at all hours and days. Have yourself a great week. Get after it. Hope you recharge the batteries. Cambiar las pilas. And Placido Domingo, everyone. Make sure you subscribe, download, rate, review, share. Okay? Okay.